This week on The Vergecast, we go deep on the Galaxy S20 Ultra and what's going on since camera. Julia Alexander joins us to talk about the big changes at the top of Disney and do a little grab bag of news from MWC. It's a fun one. It's a Vergecast coming up now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business. It's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners, too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month, every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com. Hello and welcome to Vergecast, the flagship podcast of Megapixels. <laughs> That'd be my super villain name. We're, we're, it's if, a Megapixel! If, if there were such a thing as non-abending a podcast, we would mm. get... We, well, we've all gathered together in New York. We've yeah. non-abend ourselves. <laughs> I'm your friend, Neil. Dieter Bone is in New York. Not abending it away. Paul Miller's in New York. Hello. We're all here. Is it a, a centimegapixel? Is that a word? Is that how you would say it? 100 yeah. megapixels is a centimega? A, a centimega. Centimega. Well, it, it's it's been a busy week. But I, I would say our week has been dominated. Dieter's life has been dominated by the Galaxy S20 Ultra. Here's a thing that I will say to you. It would be nice to review a flagship, premier, amazing, new, expensive Samsung phone without it turning into a dramatic fiasco. <laughs> <laughs> I that disagree. Nice. <laughs> as, the, as a person who's like, I got to get through an hour of conversation about a phone review every week. <laughs> I, I like the dramatic fiasco. We need content. Yeah, that's what I'm in it for. <laughs> All right, can let me just try to set some stage. Okay. Dieter Bone works at The Verge. Yes. You review a lot of phones. I do. I would say lately, a trend is big companies messing with how phones are reviewed. Okay, yeah, a little bit. Right, so like, the, like uh, I don't know, like Walt Mossberg. Walt used to work at The Verge. He had a, a long and distinguished career at the Wall Street Journal. For most of that time, mm-hmm. a product would come out. They would like someone would announce it. Yeah. Then they would give one to reviewers. Yep. Some time would pass. Yep. An embargo would lift. Yes. Walt would have negotiated an embargo like eight hours before hours. Yep. Driving us crazy <laughs> when we were young pups. Yep. So Walt's review would go out, and then ours would all go out the next day. Yeah. Uh, but that's usually what happens. Uh-huh. Fair, that is the standard format for all product announcements. So you announce it, you make a big thing, you bring in a bunch of reporters and reviewers, you brief them, you give the reviewers review units, they go out in the world, they use the product, you have a bunch of phone calls about what they're seeing, what they're not seeing, mm-hmm. they write a review, all the reviews drop on an embargo date. Yep. I'm sure anybody listening to this has been aware of like 50 reviews getting dropped all at the same time. Yeah. This year has not featured that pattern to a large extent. Yeah. And in this discussion, you might be tempted to think that we're just demanding that things go back to the good old days when, you know, we knew what the rules are. I want the Walton bar. And yeah, <laughs> uh, this isn't that. This is just like uh, companies are trying to figure out what they want 
like how they want the phone reviews to work in a world that is uh, increasingly got like influencers on Instagram, YouTubers that may or may not follow journalistic standards. Everybody that we like follow and talk about tends to. They've got, you know, just other ways that their phones get out in the world. And so they're trying to figure out how to contend with that. So sometimes there's like special like after the main announcement event, there's like a special influencer event where they can like show up and have like a day with the thing in a room or whatever. And other times what's happening more and more is they'll just release the thing either to reviewers on the day it starts selling or they'll give the thing to reviewers and be like, yeah, just start writing, no embargo, whatever you want. And yeah. then, we, then we all have to sort of like, like a showdown, like we all like look at each other in the virtual saloon that is Twitter <laughs> and we're like, when are you going to draw? Yeah. And, 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 and we like decide how long like but it's nice because then you get to you get to like choose how long you are going to spend reviewing a thing instead of trying to hit the embargo that you know everybody's going to hit. But it also means that there's this weird like how quickly should a review get written? How much time should you spend with it? And uh, why did they choose to do it this way? You like have this like thing in the back of your mind. Like when a movie gets released uh, with no re reviews, mm -hmm. you know it's bad. Right. The movie studio wants to like have a chance for like the first three days to go to, to get move ticket sales before word of mouth is like, oh, wait, no, this is bad. Right. Mm. I don't know whether that rule applies to phones or not. I actually really don't. Yeah. I think the, the broad thing you're saying is true. The media landscape has dramatically changed for everything. Yep. It, when you're launching a product, you want maximum exposure. In the old days of like two years ago, yeah. <laughs> reviewers are the ones who are going to write about your product. Mm -hmm. Like not there was not an ecosystem of other people following you, a, a variety of other rules right. about how they were going to. You were a key landmark on the path to more exposure. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, the new but also cycle, like there wasn't like I don't know medium. <laughs> like just right, like, there, yeah. The, the, now there's just like a lot of people who like you can see the phone to, and they'll just like produce some content around it. Yeah, and fine. Like you can I don't know. You can go find a a famous actor and be like, here's a phone. We post five Instagram photos of you being happy with it and yeah. they'll do it. So we can clarify a little bit of the stakes here. Can you, can you clarify the trade off between like, I have a phone for 24 hours. What can I say definitively about it versus I have a, a week? Like, you know, what is that trade off? Oh, I mean, with a week, you are more likely to discover bugs. Uh, you have a much better sense of battery life. You have a much better sense of like performance over time. You settle in with the thing. There's things that you might not notice in the first day. Like, is the button actually convenient or not? Is the the you know whatever weird new way that it unlocks or that the home, the way the home screen works or like is this new setting to do this thing actually useful or not? That you'll try it for the first day, but you're like, yeah, it's like trying a new food. I maintain that. You should, before you reject a food and say, I hate that food, you should eat it three times. The first time it's like octopus. I mean, I guess. Wow. The second time is like, okay, I tried it once. I got through it, but I'll try it again. We'll see, see if, I, if I actually maybe was wrong the first time. I got to have. And then the third time is like, you know, I really hate that thing, but just. Maybe I maybe it was made poorly the first couple. I've of been times. doing this with Raw Tomatoes for thirty nine years. This is yeah. this is how I approach pop music. I I almost I uh, almost dislike every single new pop song I hear. Yeah, and then a few of them I hear them a second time at Starbucks. That's how they get you. You're and then it. the third time. Okay, we're completely off. It's of it's on my <laughs> must listen Paul, Spotify. Paul, playlist. you were like the first person to ever play Taylor Swift to me. I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I believe this. Okay, we should the, talk about the phone. We should talk about the phone. All of this was uh, like a big. Big setup yeah. 
a 2020 theme mm-hmm. is big companies monkeying with the standard review procedure. Right. That has really determined a lot of how reviews get made in the world for a very long time. A lot of monkeying. The first wave, which was a disaster, and I hope everybody learned their lesson, was just to not give review units out, and then Dieter could discover that the folding phones are broken. <laughs> so we tried that approach. With the S20, they just gave you the phone, no embargo, Yeah, which is better or worse. So the embargo, the reason for the embargo is it creates a sense of fairness. Yeah. Right, you hand out a phone with no embargo, someone's going to publish it the first day. Yeah. And that one might not be any good, and you don't get to... The person who's going to wait a week and do all the rigorous yeah. testing is at a disadvantage. Whatever. Yeah. Well, so the way it happens now is a lot of people will publish like uh, like rolling reviews or like constantly updating reviews, uh, and I think that's totally fine. Uh, we I tend to not like doing that because my first day impression once I've said it, and if I want to like backtrack on it or I have something else different to say about it, I just. I don't know. I'm slow. I like to like form a complete thought instead of tell you half a thought. That's what Twitter is for with typos. Mm. Yeah. I'll tell you half thoughts on Twitter. All day long for yeah. free. Mm-hmm. Well, Twitter makes money. Yeah. <laughs> that's the real <laughs> that's the real rub it. Okay. All that to say, you got the phone, no embargo, it took you a while. Your review is out. Yes. Dramatic fiasco. <laughs> <laughs> so the I, we, I went on this whole tangent about nada binning and how the camera works before, so I don't want to do that again. But the the core of this phone is it's 5G. It's got a huge screen with a high refresh rate, and it has an all-new camera system that is a radical departure in many ways from the way that smartphone cameras have worked before. And it has a big-ass battery. Huge high refresh rate screen, knocked it out of the park. Samsung wins again by making the best display on a smartphone. Yeah. They just did. It's great. I love it. (laughs) The huge battery solves whatever problems might come from any number of things. 5G draining draining your, uh, your download? That, your battery because it's downloaded too fast? No problem. Got a yeah. huge 5,000 milliamp battery. Which that was something. Set the higher refresh rate screen? No problem. Like whatever you do, like the, the paper's over many problems because it's just a big ass battery. Yeah. Love it. Great. Huge win. 5G, you know, it's 5G. It exists. Does you can it? find it. <laughs> yeah. Paul just ran a speed test on the phone. He got 13 down, but yeah, I think that's on LTE. On LTE. Yeah. yeah. You got to go out to the street corner and stand in one particular spot and mm-hmm. then like. Literally, get, like make a praying motion to hold the phone up to the <laughs> yes. tower. Yes, five G will change everything. <laughs> we'll all just be more mindful. But T-Mobile five G in New York is is mid band, and so you can get better speeds sort of everywhere. But it's not radically better. Anyway, I said, well, you haven't done any robot surgery with your. <laughs> Don't buy it because it's a five G phone. You're just going to get it. It's yeah. got this new Snap eight sixty five processor uh, that doesn't seem to me to radically change the experience. Presumably, it does, in that it like allows them to do a bunch of stuff that mm-hmm. like they couldn't otherwise do, like that refresh rate screen or whatever. But the big, big bet, the differentiating thing, especially on the S twenty Ultra, is the one hundred eight megapixel camera, and it has two problems. One of which uh, everyone has experienced, which is that it. Uh, it has a hard time autofocusing. It hunts for focus. And you really see it in video. Um, you'll see it in photos, but photos is actually, it took me a minute to discover it. It took me more than a day to discover it, actually, uh-huh. because I just assumed that, you know, I'm not that great of a photographer, which makes me a great <laughs> uh, uh, phone camera reviewer in some ways, because like, if they can make me take good photos, then like that's yeah. a good sign. But I was getting a lot of autofocus focus photos, and I was just like, uh, I must, I must just be bad at this. Uh, but no, it's actually it's bad at autofocus. <laughs> wow, that is one of the most deeter things I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm going to take this on myself. Yeah, 
All right. right. Always blame yourself. Uh, but then the second thing, and this is a little bit harder to convey, even when I post photos on the website, is because everybody has a different aesthetic thing. And I could put up like an entire gallery, and I might do that later. But with faces in particular, the assumptions that you can make about what the phone will do go completely out the window. So you you learn a phone's camera will light things in a certain way, will color things in a certain way. You get a sense of what it's going to do so that you can trust it. And then as soon as it sees a face, it's like, yeah, just kidding. We're going to change everything. This is the really jarring illustration in your review where uh, you, you're taking a picture of a guy. Mm-hmm. He's looking at you. Yep. He looks kind of orange mm-hmm. and a little, a little fuzzy. Yeah. And then when he looks at 45 degrees, uh-huh. he, it's the picture's way darker, it's way sharper, it's yep. completely different. Yeah. And beauty mode is a thing. Skin lightening is a thing. It's a thing that often has like uh, like racial undertones that are problematic. Uh, we actually very specifically took lots of photos of lots of different people, lots of different skin tones, and do not think that Samsung is uh, doing anything inappropriate in that regard with skin tone. But it is um, making these like lighting and, and like white balance choices that are just impossible to predict. When you see a face, um, it might go green, it might go yellow. Who knows? It wants to get rid of shadows, and so it like it just brings up midtones and shadows way too much. Um, and then the worst one for me is the softening. It does. It runs a softening filter on faces to get rid of like a little bit of blemishes. And I am okay in principle with the camera doing all of those things, including and especially the softening. But there should be a button that tells you that it's happening and you should be able to turn it off. And there just isn't that for the main camera. It's just on. But you, well, you can, can use like a pro mode. Something. You can turn on pro mode, but then like you're like you're going to have to go into pro mode every time. Hmm. And pro mode makes you turn on all, like you have to set all the other settings. Well, the settings are also like basically on auto and pro mode. So, like, you could theoretically go to promo, take the photo, and it's, like, functionally equivalent to just leaving it in auto, basically, sort of, maybe. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> like, that's the problem, right? But no one's going to do that. Everyone's going to hit the shutter button. Yeah. And I, it, the defaults matter the most on these cameras. Yeah. Like, we could review every camera with, like, a variety of pro camera apps. Yeah. And it, it doesn't count. Like, it's not the right. real thing. So, to be f- clear, mm-hmm. everybody does this with faces. Yes, this is correct. So if Apple, when it sees a face, the iPhone, Apple literally calls it relighting the face. They will ex- re-expose the face. They do all their fancy computational photography, all the AI. They're like, we know this scene. We know what it should look like. We will, what We've is a seen photo? a face or two. Yeah. <laughs> like what is, it's the whole what is a photo conversation. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're sort of generating an image that's closer to what they think it should look like. Google does this. Mm-hmm. Everybody's kind of re-metering and re-exposing, especially with HDR. Samsung is doing it extremely aggressively. Yes. Uh, to the point where turning your head 45 degrees produces just a dramatically different photo, which I don't really know what's going on here. It's, it's hard to tell. But it seems like Samsung's person detection AI like only sees a person when you're looking dead at the camera. <laughs> and if you just like turn away, they're like, where'd the person go? It's like, you get a, totally, like a toddler. You get, it's like a blanket. <laughs> like, it's a totally different metering mode. If you just turn your head, yeah. that seems extremely problematic. <laughs> like it's just confused about what it's looking at. And then it is so, so dramatic when it does see that face and yeah. re-meter that you end up with like just, 
it's just a weird looking photo. Yeah, it's just too much. And I didn't believe. I mean, I the <laughs> didn't believe me. Dramatic fiasco. Part one is first the fiasco is localized to the DMs between me and Dieter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just like is that happening? And it's like many, many more slacks have arrived. Yeah, Dieter's like I took forty five more photos. They're in this Lightroom album. I was on a plane. I was like I don't. Oh, and I was like you can't you can't look at this when you're on a plane because Gogo crushes photos. <laughs> yeah, so don't, don't make any judgments so I'm like, there at the airport like locally downloading <laughs> files. I'm like looking at photos of Dieter on a plane. The people sitting next to me on the plane are like, he's looking at that guy a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's 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 just obviously there. Yeah. And then there's the second part, which I don't think is quite the metering stuff. It's like Samsung's look is still Samsung's look, mm -hmm. and they've toned it down a little bit. Yeah. But the the combo platter of the unpredictable metering and the focus in Samsung's look. Yeah. Is not good, right? And it it not being good when it's like to me, it's the most important feature of this phone. To other people, it might be the five G or the size, but to me, it's that. Um, otherwise, just get an S twenty plus, right, or an yeah. S twenty, uh, which we will review. But but like Google throws imaging algorithms at a stock sensor, yeah, and what they get out of it is rock solid consistency. Yes, right. Like a pixel photo looks like a pixel photo. Mm -hmm. it, I think. Often produces winners, like in just a comparison. I, I often prefer the Pixel Photo. Apple has gotten really good this year. Mm -hmm. They they're sort of less consistent. I don't know. Deep Fusion ever actually did anything? Yeah, it seems like maybe they never actually shipped it. Like I don't even know. <laughs> like there's no way to tell. There's not even a setting that lets you know if it's on. But like iPhone photos look very good on balance. Mm -hmm. um, they've got a better night. Like they're up there. Yeah. Right, Samsung is like inconsistent and weird looking. Is not a not so, a competitive like, zone to be in. They have they do take photos that are up there much of the time, but it's the inconsistency that's the problem. And the the big swing of we're going to go with a hundred and eight megapixel camera, and I think it's forty eight on the telephoto or something. It's forty on the selfie, and all the binning and all the other stuff. And you could take a hundred and eight megapixel photo if it re mosaics, like all that extra stuff. I don't know how actually actually worth it it was. Um, I th you, maybe you get the telephoto because that's like the other reason to get the ultra is you get that periscope lens with the telephoto. And I think at like up to 30x, which is very impressive, um, it produces good enough photos. And at 10x, no, well, 8x technically because that's how far the pixel goes. So that's where I tested it. Um, it wins hands down every time. Yeah. Like if you're doing, if you're taking something that is 8x away and you're zooming in that far, the only thing that will do better on a, is a, not a phone. Like a camera, like yeah. get a zoom lens on a, a real camera. I did it on the Sony RX100 Mark Seven, which has got a little 200, you know, yeah. zoom lens on it. But yeah, like that is an unmitigated, unmitigated win. But the question is, what do you blame on like the new technology, right? Is the autofocus uh, function of the way that they're choosing to do like phase detect or whatever on the 108 megapixel sensor? I think the answer might be yes, but maybe they can fix it uh, because that's the next part, which is they finally promised a software update to me like like 12 hours before the review went up. Wait, can I can I talk about that part? <sighs> I mean, I was... you, you're going to have a much more, I'm just going to let you have emotions. Yeah. I'm going to try to step us through the chronology. Okay. So there's no embargo. Mm -hmm. This is where we all came back. All that, the the five minutes of inside baseball we did before this began. Yeah, there's no embargo. Right. So uh, Ray Wong and Evan Rogers, yep. Evan Rogers, ex Verge person, uh, did a really in depth review of the camera for input. Yep. They found the autofocus issue. Yep. Evan, uh, he was tweeting. He, he thinks the colors are a little weird. Yep. Okay. 
but they published before everybody else. They were the first ones out the gate. Yep. And to their credit, they caught the autofocus they issue. They caught the autofocus issue, yeah. Sasha Segan at PC Mag mm-hmm. goes up the, I think, the next day. My day yeah, I think it must have been the next day, maybe day Within after. Within the window. Yeah. Great phone, shouldn't spend this much money until they fix the autofocus issue. Yep. I would say at this point, Samsung is like freaking out. Uh, by this time, I had already been on the phone with Samsung for like a half an hour being like, here, and, here are all the problems. And Dieter has not yet like looked at the autofocus issue. Well, I have, but I, I at this point I was when when input went up, I was like having doubts, and I actually at some point tweeted like I have doubts. It may have been after their thing went up, um, but I still wasn't one hundred percent sure if it was like I was dumb or like I like didn't hadn't learned the habits yeah. of this camera because every camera is different. Dieter's mm. criticism is at this point it's a lot of slacks about the faces and the colors and yes. the inconsistency. So he's been on the phone with Samsung about, about that stuff. Yes. And input and PC mag are like autofocus is bad. Yep. I think at this point it is safe to say like, okay, now we're like we're, Dieter's re-reporting the review. Like he's back on the phone. Yeah. And then Samsung last well, night was like, well, uh, we're always improving our we're cameras. We're always improving our cameras. So uh, when I called them uh, Monday, I think it was, and I was like 20 minutes, like here's what I'm seeing, blah, 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 blah. They're like, yep, okay, that's interesting, good feedback. And I was like, okay, any, any, anything else, guys? Okay. And so the statement that they would uh, that they were planning a future update, not necessarily a pre-store release update, just someday in the future they will update the software to do unspecified things uh, came in <laughs> just before the review. So I have to make a choice. Like, one, do I, like, wait for this thing someday in the future? Or do I, like, I just go. I Like, this is what I experienced on the phone. Maybe there'll be an update in the future. Go. And, like, I chose to do that in part because, as Neilai said, I've reviewed a lot of phones. Neilai, you've reviewed yeah. a lot of phones. Uh, Paul, what, one phone. Yeah. What, ha- what happens <laughs> when a uh, company says, uh, we'll fix the camera with a software update? It never happens. <laughs> never, ever, ever. I'm sorry. Maybe you can tell me there was one time when one Nokia phone. OnePlus did manage to slightly improve some some pretty serious issues uh, a couple of years ago. No, the only delta is like if the if when you push the shutter button, the phone lights on fire and you fix that. <laughs> like It's like that. You like. The camera doesn't work and generates corrupt issues yeah. or corrupt files. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can fix that in software. Yeah. The the video recording, at, we forgot to turn on 4K60. Yeah. Whoops. Okay, we've software update fixes a bug. Yep. Never does it actually change the quality of the camera. That is one of the reasons I published. The one thing to say is like these seem the, – the face fil- filter stuff seems like an eminently fixable problem. Just like turn a knob down, mm-hmm. right? Whether or not they can fix the autofocus is an open question, and this gets more complicated, and I'm just going to say a thing, and some people are going to get mad, but let me finish the sentence. Samsung is not Apple. And what that means, let me finish, is that uh, <laughs> Apple is a monolith. They are, they are, they are like centralized control, everything, and like the messaging is on point, and everyone is in lockstep, and everyone knows what's happening and what to say. And uh, Samsung is just like there's like there's a bunch of divisions, there's a bunch of people that aren't talking to other people. So like there's apparently a software update in Korea that may or may not be newer than the firmware I have that may or may not uh, address the autofocus issue. It's unclear. Um, I had a journalist from France say that he was told. Uh, like on Friday that a software update was coming, which is very confusing because I talked to them on Monday for like <laughs> a half an hour saying what's going on. So all of that's fine, but just 
a lot of people sort of tweet or will talk definitively that like they know a thing about Samsung, but Samsung is not one thing. It's it's so many Can things. Can we just say Samsung is not knowable? Yeah, <laughs> Samsung, Samsung is, is fundamentally not knowable. Yeah, there are many things to many people. The people who work at Samsung often do not know what Samsung is doing. Uh, and I, that's just, they're just a big sprawling, uh, like multinational corporation that doesn't talk to itself very well. Which in some times is like, which is funny because they make phones. Yeah. But there's a benefit to that sometimes because they like, they're willing to try stuff and do stuff. But every now and then it's not a benefit because it's like, what's going on with this $1,400 So that's the simple answer. Yeah. Which is, it's a huge company. And it is also true that the phone, like a Samsung Galaxy S20 is not a single product. Correct. It is a different product and every carrier in every market, mm-hmm. like Verizon gets its own like skew with its own weird apps. Mm-hmm. Sprint gets its own customization. Like they're just like they make multiple, multiple versions. Yeah, the, of the logistics product. that Samsung has to go through to get one of these phones out out the door at a, on about the same day across the world is truly mind boggling. And I think it is, is probably like more of an accomplishment than what Apple does with the iPhone in some ways. Is there any indication yet if the Ultra is the only one with no? We don't know. Problems? I have yet to see any reviews of the regular Galaxy S twenty or S twenty plus. Yeah. So again, the simple explanation right. for the differing software update things that we've heard, mm-hmm. which is in Korea, there's an update that people have been told about. It's supposed to be coming in France. French journalists have just straight up been told an update that fixes a bunch of camera issues are coming. Mm. And then in the United States, so like we don't know what's going on. Yeah, well, you could just blame it as a it's a sprawling global corporation with yeah. multiple arms, a huge logistics challenge that they they solve credibly, or it is a multinational disinformation conspiracy <laughs> aimed at Dieter Bauer. <laughs> <laughs> or it's bi- you you could be biased. <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> if you think about it. Um, <laughs> If you are hyped for this phone, I, I don't want to, you to think that I do not like this phone. I love this phone. I'm concerned about the camera. And if they issue a software update that fixes the camera, I will be the happiest person. I will be, as, I will be very excited uh, because I think that other than that, this thing is like very, very impressive. So if you are excited for this phone, don't be like, uh, like just wait and see if they do something. Don't wait too long because, you know, camera software updates stuff and don't pan out. But never buy any product on the basis of, of a promised software yes, update. Exactly. That's the software waits. update will never come and it will never do what you think it will. Yep. And that, that is just it is just true. The thing that I keep thinking about though is like the the thing the thing that I make on a regular basis that requires the most logistics is a YouTube video. We have incredible directors and producers uh, and they're very good at editing um, and they put so much more work <laughs> into making things that I do like punch in words. Um, and when we're making this thing, there's no take backs. Like it's you, you can maybe do a content replace every now and then, but like you publish the thing and you can't like edit to YouTube. It. It's YouTube, yeah. Um, so you like you want to make sure there aren't any problems. You want you watch it. You watch it down. You look for whatever you can. Um, and when something goes up on YouTube uh, that is like it's not the highest quality or like I like I said a thing and I kind of flubbed the line or whatever, I definitely know before you've seen it. Like mm-hmm. I've seen it, I'm like, Ugh, well, it's too much. I can't, I can't fix it. Like we'd have to reshoot too many things. It's going yeah. out. It's going out the door. I have to assume that inside Samsung, they knew. Oh, they definitely knew, right? They definitely knew. Okay. I've always wondered that when when there's an obvious failure. 
Well, let's 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 take like, an even simpler example, mm. right? There's the photo relighting. There's the skin smoothing, which has all kinds of cultural implications. Mm-hmm. Okay, that stuff is very subjective, even if I think it's objective a bit. But like, whatever. You're looking at it. You're like, we think a lot of people are going to like the way this photo looks. Then there's the zoom. <laughs> oh, we haven't even right? talked about like this. they printed in giant letters on the back of this phone, 100x <laughs> space zoom. Yeah. And then you zoom it to 100x, you're like, well, that looks horrible. So Like, he, everyone in the world can just be like, huh, I wonder what 100x is, and you do it. You don't need some fancy photography skill or, like, professional eyes. You're just like, this photo sucks. Yeah, except every time I showed it to somebody, they always went, whoa. They get to, they get to have people go, whoa. Sh- sure. That's what, that's what it's for. The 30x is the one that's actually useful. The 10x is great. Yeah. Again, like, better than the competition. Um, the 30x is like usable. The 100x is so that they can have people go, whoa. They, I think they could have done that at 30x. So do I. But, it, but it's 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 cool though because it's <laughs> it's showing you the maximum amount of information that this sensor can possibly obtain, and it's not like at every well, single actually, pixel. Well, actually, it's not because is once good. you get up there, they're doing lots and lots of sensor cropping. So the way that the Pixel gets the zoom photos, they take a bunch of photos and they use your handshake to gather more data. And what mm. is a photo, et cetera, et cetera. Samsung <laughs> is taking I like that lots we've of photos. Done that conversation so much, we're just like, you know, what <laughs> you is know, a photo? You know, the, the essential philosophical <laughs> dilemma of our time. <laughs> As you as you are well aware, <laughs> Samsung is also doing multiple photos. But what they're really doing is this this curious mix of like uh, zooming and then sensor cropping. That's why they picked a high megapixel sensor. Mm-hmm. It's slightly bigger. They can do the bidding or whatever. But when you start zooming in, they can just crop down and still have a ton of megapixels because right. there's a ton of megapixels to work with. But it's just like a photo of a truck. That is a horrible photo. Sure, but. <laughs> I mean, this is one of the worst photos I've ever taken. It's like bright outside. I, I, I don't the know. It's very far away. Yeah, it's like, okay, it's like if I am an international spy, you know, and, <laughs> I, and I don't know I, where this is going. And I but put I'm, a micro, so, microphone that it, it like works via like an aerosol spray, yeah. and I could just spray it on an object, and now I've got a microphone, and I can listen remotely, right? Uh-huh. Like, I'm not mad that it's not like Dolby. Quality audio. I'm I'm proud of my achievement. You That's, know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Like like I understand that this is not comparable to a good photo of you being close to a truck. Yep. But right now, my phone can't get that close. Yep. So outside my hotel room, there's a dog park mm. here in New York, and I saw a dog frolicking, and I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity to see if like what Zoom does with like a thing that's moving around. So mm-hmm. I like zoomed way in on the dog, tried to get the shot, you know, shaky, whatever, and I couldn't get a shot of just the dog. I like I, as soon as I took the shot, like the owner walked into frame that I hadn't really. They were like across the park, and they went to go get their dog, mm-hmm. and then I, like completely unintentionally, I had just taken like this like really creepy spy photo. <laughs> I, like, ah! I deleted it immediately. He's like, oh, I don't, I don't want that. Here's what I'm saying. This is gonna make so, so you're saying it, it, the, it's producing un, unusable product. Uh, I think that if anybody thinks that they're going to get something that they're going to want to like treasure forever out of a 100x zoom, they're right. fooling themselves. No, I just took a photo at 30x zoom. Yeah. Which looks fine. Mm-hmm. And then you can just like crop that photo. Yeah. And that's it, what the 100x is. And it looks better than if you try to take the photo at 100x. Mm, okay. I see like what that's you're 100x. I see what you're saying. That's 30x. And I just zoomed in and that's better. Right. That's obviously better. Yeah. It's just like they. It's that they printed it on the back of the phone. They did. They printed a hundred X. Like they're inviting you to try this feature. They're very proud of it, and it's like it's not there. And I think that's the one where, when you're like, they had to know. 
Mm-hmm. They definitely knew when they decided to print it on the back of the phone. Yeah. Like some engineer at Samsung was like, I don't, I don't think we should do this. Mm. Well, it's something uh, that struck me with your review. You were talking about like this in some ways is a Gen 1 device. Yeah, I think so. And, and, and that makes a lot of sense with this camera where like – because a lot of what makes a flagship phone so good yep. is that a flagship phone has everything that the last model got right – and then also some more. Right. But when you completely replace a part and you have kind of a new image processing pipeline, you mm-hmm. don't necessarily get to build on your prior successes. Yeah. Theoretically, there is more upside to Samsung's uh, like theory of how a camera, smartphone camera could work here than there is on Google trying to apply ever better uh, you know, software to a uh, you know, bargain bin sensor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if they can start continue to do interesting things with like combining and uncombining, you know, sub pixels and their 108 megapixels and they can like up their software game a little bit and, you know, just roll down the line. Theoretically, like this could be like this could be a step change. That's what they wanted to argue. They just they didn't finish it. Yeah. And maybe they never will because Samsung. But um, there's more potential upside here. They just haven't achieved it. So I've, and then, of course, Google and Apple aren't going to, like, stop. <laughs> They're going to keep making stuff. Well, so. I, but that's, like, on two fronts. They're fighting this war on two fronts. One, it is clear to me right now, and I, I, I do think this is debatable, but it feels clear to me that on the computational photography, smart HDR side of the w- world, Google yep. and Apple are firmly in the lead. Yes. They are, they are doing more with processing off relatively stockish sensors than Samsung is able to do right. with their stockish sensors. Mm-hmm. Samsung is throwing a bunch of hardware at this problem. Mm-hmm. Bigger sensor, not a binning, a periscope zoom lens. Lots of hardware being thrown at this problem. They still do not have the software chops to pull it off. Even if they're trying to do something totally different. Right? right? They're trying to they're trying to process that sensor into something that's better. Yeah, the software problem they're solving is now different and like they they have to solve the same problem that Apple Apple and Google are solving and they also now have to solve this other problem that they've sort of created for themselves but again if they can do one or both i think that i think that the sensor is interesting i think that they actually do have more upside but they have to get the software right I just took a hundred mega hundred x zoom. This is it's trash. <laughs> it's so bad. I mean, that's it. It's like it's Remember, really the, the cool, and then you no, hit the shutter but... button, and you're like, "Why did I do that?" Yeah, that's just a creep shot of a of a person in a building. Well, I just see a ghost. I don't know what you guys are looking <laughs> at. Uh, so I I would say that here's the flag. There, there are lots of well, not lots, but there are several hundred eight megapixel sensor cameras in the world. Yes, none of them have been good. Right. So this, if that, if if that is indeed a different class of problem, how do we make this sensor good? Well, Samsung Next is doing they have a slightly different sensor, a slightly different methodology to the way the sensor works than those other cameras. Yeah. I think that this is better than those, from what we've heard. Uh, I haven't actually used the other hundred megapixel cameras, so I don't know this for sure. Um, but it's a harder problem to solve than uh, getting a twelve megapixel photo good. I think. Yeah, ways. and I just think that's like the they're, the two problems are right next to each other. Yeah. One, how do we get a great photo out of the big hardware sensor? Two, how do we do all the fancy HDR computational photography stuff, which is now a look yeah. 
right? Like we're going to take multiple frames and composite them into one sort of evenly lit frame. Is what like, is a photo? What is a photo? That's it's just a look that people expect. Yeah. So now you got to do both, and you're not good. And like no one has solved the the big megapixel sensor problem well, and you're already behind. And that's just a lot of problems for the, Samsung. The, to the solve. cool thing is that they that they can not that they can solve it. Were they to solve it, then they've yes, then they've they've, then yes. they've solved it. it is, you know what I mean? Like like they could just put up. Yeah, it's true. It, they it's, don't need to. It's to like shut if, up, if this rusty old Mustang up. in the front yard just had an engine and some wheels, <laughs> like it if, would be faster than your working they, car. If they release a software update that solves this autofocus problem and solves the sort of the randomization of image style yeah. problem, then this might be a really good camera. Yeah. Yeah, I think on it's sort of the baseline of is it bright outside? Are you taking a great photo? I got yeah. I got good photos when it's bright outside out of the Motorola Razor. So let's not make that the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the idea that you're you're on team optimism. If they ship a software update that is unlike any camera software update in history, right? This will be the best camera ever made. Right. Yeah, I'll, I'll sure I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Hundred X Zoom, I love it again. Well, again, like, <laughs> another thing about the sensor is it is in fact physically larger than most phone camera sensors have been to date. It is like physically larger. They're just cramming more megapixels Which, in it. Like the intuition of all existing cameras is that that's basically the larger the sensor, like the better off you are. The larger the sensor at a constant megapixel count. You want you want those big those big pixels, the deep wells. Because you're just trying to get more light. Yeah, but these they, they bend them together. But, they not a bit. But, but but if you think about it, yes, you want more light per pixel. Yes, but the the summation of all the light that you get is almost directly a function of the area of the size of the sensor. Well, so there's there's walls between pixels. Oh God, we did this last <laughs> time. Can we not talk about not bending at this time? It's great. It's a cool tech. I hope it works. Dramatic fiasco with a global disinformation campaign aimed only at Dieter Brown. <laughs> so I want to talk about one thing that you did like, camera-wise. Okay. You love the selfie camera. Oh, the selfie camera is amazing. It does, it's 40 megapixels, it defaults to 10, so it's quad, quad, so is it, quadra It's also non-embedding. It's quadra-bidding, because quadra it's 4 to 1 oh, instead of 9 to 1. quadra-bidding. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Um, <laughs> it has beauty filters, yeah. uh, but if you turn them off, it just takes, uh, you can see all your wrinkles and, you know imperfections on your skin if you want. Um, Samsung has improved over its own portrait mode stuff. I think I would, I don't want to quite say dramatically, but noticeably, um, but it still has that like sort of like blocky texture, you yeah. know what I mean? But it's way better than it was before. Uh, it's definitely, especially in the selfie camera, better than what the Pixel can do. Um, the, the classic test is you like, you turn your head so your glasses are sticking out a little bit and like can the portrait mode realize that that's part of your face and shouldn't be blurred. Uh, Pixel still whiffs that a yeah. lot of the time, and this thing got it. I really, really like the selfie camera way more than I expected to. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I'm all in on gigantic megapixel selfie cameras. Like, if Apple wants to, like, really knock it out apart, they'd be like, the front camera is the same as yeah. the back camera, mm. and then everyone will upgrade their iPhones. Um, they won't do that because they have to manage their bezels. I should say some people do not like the fingerprint sensor as much as I do. I think it's good enough. I'm happy with it. And I, I love just having the whole screen, like not having a notch. It's yeah. just or a big bezel at the top. It's just it does just feel differently every day when you look at it to like just have that huge screen with no interruption on it except for a tiny hole for the camera. Yeah. And I, the 120 hertz is very nice. The 120 hertz is incredibly nice. Okay. So what happens next? 
we wait for the software update and uh, we'll see what happens with it. And we review the uh, S20 and S20 Plus, which have uh, high megapixel cameras, um, but not a, not 108. And they don't have the periscope lens. But we'll see if anything is different there, uh, especially with like autofocus. I think that's going to be the big one to, to check. And then, yeah, man, that's... You know, they, they sell these things and they, they're selling the S10s for a deep discount. And I think that the S10 is still a very good phone. And you know what the S10 does? Autofocus? Works with the headphone jack. Ooh. <laughs> also, like, I didn't know, $1,400. It's a lot. It's a lot of money for a phone. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's got 12 or, and 1600 for the, the 512, 16 gigs of RAM. But, like, you can pin apps to RAM, right? Which is like, then they just, it, your browser just won't close in the background. I think that's a pretty cool. Which feature. is pretty cool. Uh, you know, during Fireball, John Gruber wrote a post that was like, let's be real about how much phones cost. And he's like, it's okay to spend that much money on a phone if you know how to get the use out of it. Mm. That's why, like, this isn't a tragedy quite. But, like, if they can fix the camera, like, that could be a potential use out of it. But there are uh, there are other people who will be like, yes, I will get $1,400 of use out of this huge screen, the storage, the expandable storage, the amount of RAM that this has, you know, uh, whatever – like all the stuff that you can Dex. do with a phone. Dex. Yeah. Stabilized video if the autofocus works. Stabilized video if the autofocus works. It is, it is, it's it's not like a huge massive improvement over mm. the S10, but it's a slight improvement. It, it like stabilizes over like another axis, basically. Like I think it does a roll now or pitch or something. It's better. Uh, but it's not, it's not, I don't think it's quite up to what um the iPhone can do, especially with like the iPhone's really good at um adjusting color and light balance as you move in and out of shadow. And uh, I don't think that Samsung's quite there yet. You can shoot 8K though. I, mean, I guess. Enjoy yeah. It? I mean, I guess you just listed a bunch of things that could be considered a reason. But like for me, I need a real specific reason in my head of why this phone I'm going to spend more than I spent on my last phone. Now I understand, like, oh, every year I spend a thousand dollars on the phone. It's a lot to spend, but I use my phone a lot, you know. But like this year, I'm going to spend fourteen hundred dollar on a phone, like. What changed? What got so? What what new capability did, does this phone yeah. provide me? Yeah, well, it's five uh, G mm-hmm. and hundred uh, X zoom. Just don't uh, try it. And a beautiful, <laughs> huge, beautiful screen and tons of RAM and tons but of storage. Huge, and like, beautiful screen, and tons of RAM, tons of storage is like not. Yeah, okay. You can get that yes, from a lot of places yeah. now. Yeah, right. You can get that from OnePlus pretty cheaply. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a five G radio to use on one street corner in a praying position, <laughs> um, <it's>, or or just. <laughs> You sit on T-Mobile, and eventually it'll get certified for AT&T 5G, and that, that's better. So it's that, mm-hmm. if you would like such a thing. Uh, and it's a zoom lens. And it's very pretty. It is very pretty. I think this is the, the year of the $250 phone for me. <laughs> <laughs> Pixel not, 4a, it's coming. Not convinced. All right, we're going to take a break. That was emotional. Everyone needs a break. And then Julia Alexander, two weeks in a row. Disney news, I strongly suspect it will be even more emotional Mm. for the next segment. We'll be right back. Support for The Vergecast comes from Shopify. Whether you're a huge company or a small crafter trying to make a buck off your hobby, selling online is one of the best ways to grow. Shopify is one of the top e-commerce platforms that you can use to get started. But it's not just online. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. And you can sell wherever, online or with their in-person point of sale system. You can also sell more with less effort with their AI-powered tool, Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. You might recognize more brands who already use Shopify, like Rothy's, Brooklinen, Allbirds, and more. 
Millions of entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries rely on Shopify for their e-commerce needs. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash vergecast. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash vergecast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash vergecast. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com. Julia. Yes. Big news in the world of Bob's and Kevin's this week. <laughs> Big news. <laughs> the media industry. Big news in my world. Yeah, we huge. Talk about. So I again, I was on a, I was on a lot of planes this week. Yeah. So I spent some time on a plane, watching Dieter emotionally process the Galaxy S twenty, <laughs> and then on my flight back, I spent all that time on a plane watching you emotionally process Disney CEO Bob Iger. Yeah. Stepping up. Yeah, he's not stepping he down. Step down. He didn't even step away. Yeah, he <laughs> just he just stepped to a more exalted role. He pulled the most baller move in the world. Explain what happened. All right, so <laughs> Bob Iger, former CEO of Disney, because it's effective immediately, announced that he was taking on a new role. He's the executive chairman of Disney. It's a role he uh, made up. Yeah, it's, it's his role. He's okay. just like, I would like to do it. Uh, essentially, in his mind, he saw it as the perfect time post Disney Plus, post everything, to go and just work with the creative teams and, and focus entirely on the creative side of content at Disney. Disney is a content company, so that makes a lot of sense. And he announced that Bob Chapek, Bob Chapek, I spoke to like four Disney people yesterday and asked how to say his last name and got different answers each time. Everyone uh, I talked to calls, just calls him Bob C. Yeah. Bob what C. is important <laughs> here is that his name is also Bob. Yeah. There's a lot of Bobs and Allens and Kevins at Disney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just so many of them. There are three Allens. On that org chart that I looked at. And really, the face of Marvel is a, is a Bob, because it's Robert. So wow. we've got a lot of Bobs in there. Yeah. Okay. So there's <laughs> Bob Iger. Yeah. And there's Bobby C. Bobby C. Bobby yeah. C is the new guy. He's the yeah. CEO of Disney. Where yeah. did he come from? Yeah. So he's been with the company for close to 30 years. He's kind of a company man. He has been in every department. He was part of home entertainment. He was one of the leading executives on getting the distribution deal between Disney and iTunes, because he was like, hey, I think digital's taken off, and Apple seems to have a grasp on it. Uh, So he set that up. Then he got moved over to consumer products, where he went to basically clean house for Iger. It was kind of like uh, paying your dues to get into the mob, and he he got in, uh, and he became Iger's (laughs) loyal. What did he do? (laughs) He cleaned house. He went in, and they were very anti-Iger, because this was post, you know, a couple years, but post um, the Eisner-Iger, the Michael Eisner, who was the former CEO of Disney. Bob Iger taking over, so that happening. And so he got rid of the Eisner guys. Basically. He goes in, he's like, I'm cleaning house. Then eventually he's moved to parks. He's instrumental in setting up the Shanghai Resort, which is a huge resort for Disney. Um, and then he became <laughs> CEO. Like, so that was the whole he's thing. He's the guy. He's a guy. I would argue he is not. I would argue many people inside Disney don't think he's the guy. Really? So this is all very, so this is just what happened. This is just what happened. And by the way, when I was, Julia, what happened? She didn't say Disney CEO Bob Iger stepped up. No, there's like all this dramatic stuff, this history of the new guy. Yeah. 
But there's a, a thing that didn't happen here, which is the Kevin. Yeah, one who, of the Kevins. One of the many Kevins. Kevin Meyer, who runs Disney Plus. Yeah. Who everyone thought was going to be the CEO. Right. Is not the CEO. Right. The other thing that happened is that everyone was surprised. Yeah, because there was a lot of things that were happening. He had, Iger had extended his contract. I think he was not even, uh, he was about a third, I think, or into his contract because he had extended. Um, he had just finished his book tour. He was supposed to appear at conferences as the CEO of Disney in like a few months. Um, clearly that, he might still attend, but he's not going to be CEO. Um, so it was just really jarring because it came out of nowhere. It was a random Tuesday. Everyone I spoke to was just like, something is happening. The conspiracy theories that hit my DMs were just amazing. Mm-hmm. Everything from he's going to be Bloomberg's VP running candidate oh, to yes. yeah, like he's sick um, to everything in between. Uh, so there was a lot of confusion over what was happening because it was so sudden. And if we remember the last time there was a Disney executive change, which I do regularly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a long, long public, very bad process. I mean, there were, it was just bad. And Michael Eisner was ousted and it, it was a year, but they announced like there was a year change and they were figuring it out and it would all kind of move over eventually. This was like, I am no longer CEO immediately. Yeah. Uh, and that leads to a lot of confusion and scare in the markets. Juliet, you didn't you didn't like my tweet, and so I feel like I'm justified in, in uh, making this. This is joke why we again. bring you on here <laughs> to read our bad tweets at you. So when 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 Bob said he was stepping down, did you need to go get a drink later because it was so stressful? I did actually. Would you say that that Iger augured loggers? Dieter, <laughs> no, look, Dieter, I love you. You're like a brother to me. Uh-huh. I want you to get the hell out. <laughs> Just I, go. I'm Just so think about got, what you did. I'm so happy I got to look at you say that. Because <laughs> there's a lot of shame when he, yeah. when he does it. There was, it was just so good. But there's this other underlying drama, which is it right. happened very suddenly. Yeah. It's Bob C., who didn't, who always seemed like he was in the running, Yeah. but maybe wasn't the favorite. The guy who runs streaming, Kevin Meyer, was supposedly the favorite, and right. he didn't get the gig. What happened there? So, from my understanding, the thing about Bob C. is that he is a company man. And to an extent, he's an Iger company man. He's someone who really kind of like idolizes Bob Iger. And so he's someone that Iger can mold into what they need to carry out the next 10 years of Disney. Like that's someone who can then basically deploy what Iger has set up and just keep that running. The, the really great thing about Iger is that he said in a call to investors after the news went out that he's basically made Disney in a lot of ways this autonomous machines because the heads that he has set up just are good at what they do. Kevin Feige runs Marvel beautifully. Kathleen Kennedy and John Favreau basically run Lucasfilm pretty well. Yeah, uh, that's a medium grade. Yeah, so we'll, let's, go, let's, let's just go on there. Sean Bailey does his job really well. And then you've got Kevin Mayer, who's exceedingly good at what he does. Um, I- extremely good. And, and so he, it, he runs Disney Plus and Hulu. Yeah, he runs – so his – uh, department is direct to consumer and international. So he runs a uh, hot st- that he would also now look over hot star in India. Like he looks over everything. My assumption, and based on what people told me, is that Bob C gets the job because the board really likes Bob C. They like the idea that he can be the face of Disney. They like that he can basically be a company man. Kevin Mayer, who's extremely good at strategizing, who is the, probably one of the best strategists Disney has ever had, next to Iger. Uh, who came up that way too, can continue doing what they need him to do. And that's pers- and that's really shaping streaming in the streaming wars era. Like they need him to focus on that. 
There are other issues that have come up with Mayer that are like people publicly reported. He's very aggressive. He's a bulldog. He's kind of like that's his whole stance. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily jive well with Disney on the public front. When you think of Bob Iger, you think of Uncle Bob's what a lot of industry call him, right? Because he's just charismatic and lovable. Uh, and that works for the Disney brand. And Meyer, Mayer, sorry, is just very good at what he does. But is he the face of Disney? That's the question the board has to look over. And clearly, they went with Bobsy. In huh. a surprise 4 p.m. Tuesday night announcement. Yeah. I mean, the great thing is that this is just in tune with what Disney has done. I mean, 25 years ago, you had arguably the biggest public uh, Disney scandal, which was with after their COO, Frank Wells, died. Jeffrey Katzenberg was like, I'm who's now the head of Quibi is now like, I'm going to be your second in command. Michael Eisner promised him this apparently on a walk in like Salt Lake City. Uh Michael Eisner goes, actually, we're not going to do that. And then a few months later, Katzenberg is fired and starts DreamWorks. Right. And it's like a public brawl. <laughs> like they're fighting over this. Mm-hmm. But same- that's how you get Prince of Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how you get a bug's life and ants on the same day. Like literally the same day. Same thing happens 2004, 2005. Right. It's like it's it's this is like the Disney story in a lot of ways. So do you think Kevin stays? This is the conversation I had. A former executive. <laughs> One of the Kevins. Kevin Meyer. Yeah. A former executive told me, that he had a great quote, and it was like, you know, you think of a, a bake-off, and the second-place winner doesn't necessarily stay around to see if they can win again. They go and do something else. At the same time, you know, Kevin's got a really good position at Disney, and he'll still get to work with Iger for the next, you know, up till the end of 2021. So Iger, yeah, he's on for, it's like 22 months until the yeah. end of 22. <laughs> 22 months until the end of 2021. That's his contract. Yeah. He's executive chairman. Yeah. The CEO reports to him. Yeah. It's great. It really feels like they just move some titles around. Yeah. I mean, it genu- he had a great quote on CNBC. He just went, I didn't want to run the company anymore. And I was like, that's a mood. Like, that's just, <laughs> what if like, I don't yeah. have to do this? Yeah. It's like, I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. You've extended my contract so many times already. I mean, obviously, for it to happen at on a Tuesday afternoon, something happened, right? This is the story everyone's trying to chase. Something has happened for Bob Iger to go, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I'm going to just take a step back to an extent and focus on creative. Um, at the same time, that's what he likes. I think he generally likes being able to think about content and work with Kevin Feige over at Marvel and Kevin Mayer on streaming and be able to strategize with them and figure out the next five, ten years. I think it's that Bob Iger finally, he's a busy guy, and so he busy finally guy. found the time to go watch uh, Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> and he's like, nope. Goodbye. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and he's like, well, what are you going to do? But he's just like, they can't, like, redo. I, Bob Iger stepping down as Disney CEO yeah. so he can reboot Rise of Skywalker, that's, like— That'd be great. That's the ultimate. Like, he's got the board, like, the Masters of the Universe Disney board all yeah. in the room. He's like— <laughs> I'm going to just direct Rise of Skywalker myself, actually. We're going to pull it. We're going to do it next year. I'm just impressed that J.J. Abrams wasn't named CEO at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like, you run the company. Well, so uh, the reason I want to talk to you about that, that, there's the mechanics of the change. Yeah. There's the drama of the characters. But Disney is the big player in the streaming wars. Yeah. They, ha- like Iger saying, like, our strategy is set. We've executed all the pieces, and now it's just about creative. Also, I would prefer never to think about our parks ever again. Like, that's where he's at, right? <laughs> he's like, I want to run the boring parts. I just want to do the fun stuff, yeah. which, again, is a mood. It's a I, mood. I'm totally, totally <laughs> by that. Extremely sympathetic to that idea. But, like, where does it leave Disney in this moment where there's so much activity in the streaming wars? Right. It's really funny because this happened at a time that it, it, Iger kept saying, 
our strategy is deployed. We're good on the Disney Plus front. And while this is happening, like, yes, they have 28 million subscribers, which is not something they'll do in this in their next quarter. They're not going to get 28 million again, uh, although they are launching internationally. So who knows? Maybe they are. Uh, I was just talking to someone who said that they're working overtime on making sure the UK launch goes really well. So they've got that to worry about. But back home, when we look at the content on Disney Plus, which is what it matters, that's all it matters at the end of the day to consumers. They don't actually have the strategy in place because two of the original series that they came up with for Disney Plus got moved to Hulu. Uh, the third series in, that's just who knows what's going on with it is Lizzie McGuire, a big Disney franchise. Uh, and now that suddenly is no one knows what's going on with it. The showrunner just said it was considered too adult for Disney Plus. How Lizzie McGuire is too adult for Disney Plus. <laughs> I would Lizzie love McGuire. to know. Yeah, I would love to know. Um, so if you take out. If you actually take out Marvel and Star Wars, um, to an extent Pixar, Disney Plus does not have much. They have a Proud Family remake. They have a, a, uh, a, a Mighty Duck series, and they have a Turner and Hooch series. I mean, I I love me some Turner and Hooch. I know, but that's but that's it. Yeah. Everything else is like Marvel and Star Wars, which makes sense. But from what I have heard is like the content side of Disney Plus is undergoing issues because they don't have an identity. So what Iger from what I hear from people have said, is like, I'm going to give slots to Kevin Feige and Kathleen Kennedy. You get three a year, you get two a year, do what you want with it. I don't care. That's what people are going to do. Slots in the app, for. Yeah, so it's like every month or every three months you have something here and we need, we'll bring people in that way. But in terms of strategy, they actually don't have a great strategy in place because they set out to do all these Disney Plus shows, then decided they weren't made for Disney Plus. They were Hulu shows, which is an advantage only Disney has because they have multiple streaming services. And now they're moving that well, around. multiple scaled streaming services. Right. AT&T has multiple streaming <laughs> services. Yes. Yeah. But no just, one thinks that's an advantage. Yes. Yeah, they yeah. just all have diff- slightly different names. <laughs> AT&T TV Now, which obviously does not compete with DirecTV Now. Yeah. Sure. That, so that's exactly where that is. So is your strategy in place if you don't know what the identity of your core flagship streaming service is? I don't think it is. I would argue it's not. I have argued last night for many hours that it was not <laughs> <laughs> with people at Disney. So they have to figure that out. And I do think Iger being able to just focus on that and not have to do investors calls every three months where he's like clearly bored. <laughs> like yeah. It's like I think that works out really well for him. The question is if Mayer leaves in the middle of them launching internationally, in the middle of them going up against Peacock from NBC Universal, HBO Max, et cetera, et cetera. What happens to that streaming unit, which is still undergoing changes, it's still undergoing identity, you know, stuff. Who knows? I mean, he thinks it's in place because they have 20 million subscribers. They're scaling. They have partnerships. They have content from Star Wars and Marvel. And that, that's really Wait, what let's, matters. Uh, let's talk about that. Let me push on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do they? <laughs> right? Like, the, like, all the good Marvel people are dead. By which you mean Tony Stark? <laughs> Whoops, spoiler alert. I was actually going to get mad, and then you said Tony. And I was like, I don't know how to feel now. Right, the, but like the good ones did. Yeah. Like yeah. Robert Downey Jr. is not coming back. Good. Whatever. Uh, he's, he's on he's Sony. Sort of Marvel. So there you go. Marvel esque. Uh, Marvel esque. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Star Wars is over, right? And then 20 years from now, we're going to reboot the Avengers, and that is yeah. going to, I'm assuming, just drive you insane. Probably. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just just a guess that when they reboot the Avengers franchise. Yeah, it's if Spider-Man has taught us anything, we can tolerate a reboot every like five years. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like they're they're in a moment where they're they're doing like ancillary content. Right. Right. right? They're doing Siri WandaVision. Right. Right. You have to be hardcore in the Avengers verse to care about that. Yeah, I would argue that's true. 
okay, Black Panther is great, but like that's not going to do 11 films over time, right? right? I don't know how many Avengers movies are. It's like 45. <laughs> There's like four right now. <laughs> four Avengers. But you There's know, though, five actually. Well, four Black Avengers. Panther isn't going to spawn the MCU. Sure. The way that sort of Avengers spawn the MCU. Right. Uh, Star Wars, the core narrative is over. There's no new core narrative. Right. It's just bits and pieces inside of it, like the Mandalorian. Doesn't that seem like the biggest problem for them? I mean, this is why they're relying and paying a lot of money to people like Kevin Feige, because they're like, you can figure it out. They know that. They know they're at a point where they've told investors this, right, where they've said it's 2020 is going to be fine, but it's not going to be 2019. Right. We we figured it out. They get asked this a lot where it's like, when does the Marvel tiredness exhaustion kick in? And when do you guys figure this out? They kind of keep proving that they have that they can bring people in just based on the Marvel name and the Star Wars name. People tune in to see Mandalorian. There was nothing really there at, attached to the main Star Wars thing, and then Baby Yoda became a thing. Um, so, pe- except for the main thing, and 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 they're <laughs> launching. Well, yeah, but they're launching their the Marvel TV universe on Disney Plus is launching with Falcon and Winter Soldier, which are two big Captain America characters. Yeah, that people know from the series. And I think they'll just kind of continue to lead with that, where it's like, yeah, Mar- uh, WandaVision has two characters that you know from the main Avengers, and they'll tease us out. You know, then they'll they've got Loki, they've got Hawkeye, like they've got the big guys coming back. Are they going to get yeah, uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans back? No, that, unless they want to pay for it. Um, but at the same time, they've proven after the after the Avengers, people were like, what are they going to do now? They turned Ant Man into a success. They turned Guardians of the Galaxy into a success. Turned into a big success at the theme parks. Uh, they they can figure it out really well. They just have to be inventive with it, which is where I pitch my idea, which is Fast and Furious, but pod racing. Hmm. Have you considered changing mm. your name to Bob? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. a great, or, or Kevin. That's a great pitch. Kevin's my, don't make it, though. You, you hit a, <laughs> yeah. There's a Kevin ceiling that is very clear. Kevin's my, and Tom's. My takeaway is that Disney's future success depends on on, on, on Hawkeye? Yeah, uh, yeah. Seems... You did just refer to Hawkeye as one of the big guys. Yeah. I mean, he is. I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't God, know about Hawkeye that. was part of the key reason why they succeeded in Endgame. Here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> Pulls up my Tumblr. <laughs> uh, wow. I genuinely feel like people have already bought so far into. I think of like one of our news editors, like Haim, who's just bought so far into the idea of Marvel and Star Wars. It doesn't even have to be anything to do with Skywalker. It doesn't be anything to do with Iron Man. They're just into the the idea of what it is. And I think Kevin Feige has proven that they can bring people in just based on the idea that it is Marvel. Is that going to keep people going throughout Disney Plus? I mean, no. It's why they have The Simpsons, right? It's like there's a reason that you bring a show like The Simpsons in, and you go, "Hey, you're, you, if you're done with this, you can watch the show now." But Add in Lucasfilm, Marvel, Pixar, especially if you have families. I mean, kids. I but think me, they're fine. Let me contrast this with other streaming work sure. competitors. Um, Netflix. Yeah. Uh, Netflix has a massive library. They bought a lot of stuff. They right. make a lot of stuff. If you pay for Netflix, it is almost certain that there is something that the algorithm will find for you. Right. Or there's something you have never seen. Or there's something new. Right? Like, there's just so much new stuff happening in FX all the time, plus their huge library, even though stuff is going away. But it's this like vast library of stuff where you're like, just play me something. It will almost certainly ha- – it will be new to you at least. Disney doesn't have that, right? It's a very right. finite library, and they're not flooding it with new stuff right. at the same rate that Netflix does. No. And they've spoken about that. I mean that was the biggest question for two years when they announced it and they were leading up to an Iger. That was the – question he got a lot and he said we're not going to have the uh, output of Netflix we're not going to have that for many years if ever like that's just not going to be where we're at uh, at the same time they bought Fox 
there is a lot of fun. I mean, they put Nat Geo on there. They put The Simpsons. There's a lot of stuff they could bring over. But that stuff is going to Hulu. Well, not necessarily. X-Men. X-Men's going to Disney. Right, and that that's arguably more of a Hulu. Th- I mean, this is the debate, but like, wait, wait, tell me why X Men is a Hulu. Sh- is it Hulu- just, wait the it, movies or the, the the movies the cartoons? The movies. The, the movies are going to Disney Plus. Yeah, I mean, they are they're already on Disney Plus. Uh, what tile are they going to go under? The main Marvel, Disney- I guess. It would go under Marvel. I guess that makes sense. I don't think of the Fox X Men movies as Marvel. No, properties well, at all. this is the issue. This is what I, I yell about. Is like that's the, why you're the identity here. Yes, by all means, behind Hulu and Disney Plus doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, there's no overlap between what is a Disney Plus thing, unless, except that it's under PG thirteen, and what is a Hulu thing. They're, but even then, they take all. They're taking all their Disney Plus stuff made for Disney Plus, moving it to Hulu, and then bringing Hulu stuff over to Disney Plus. No way that doesn't make any sense. The, but to answer your original question, it's like they can bring stuff over from Fox if they want to. They're, they okay. have, they now own a lot of stuff that they can bring if there's like, oh, people are leaving. There's not enough to watch. Let's bring in a little bit more titles. We can figure out what works under PG-13. Um, so like Logan is never going to hit Disney+. Plus. That would be incredible. If there was an accidental way that ended up, that would be phenomenal. It's never going to hit Disney+. Plus. That's a Hulu thing. Same with um, uh, Deadpool. It's just not going to be on Disney Plus, <laughs> uh, but they do know that oh, Bob C's got some wild ideas. They do know they have this. I mean, this is where HBO Max and uh, Peacock come in, right? So NBC, sorry, Warner Media and NBC Universal. That's their big pitch. Is like not only are we building, literally building new studios, new networks designed just for streaming. Um, we also have all of HBO, but then we have all these other networks we own and all these other shows we own. Like a is, house of brands. Like a, like a <laughs> house of brands. Yeah, like CBS. Worked out real well for CBS, Viacom. Um, but and you look at Netflix, Netflix is losing all those, right? That's the thing. Netflix is losing almost everything, which is why they're pushing so much of their originals and why they're pushing so much. Like they're spending a, a reportedly like $17 billion on content this year. That's more than any other studio because they know they have to do that. Disney is going to get by on having a series like The Mandalorian, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, every three months that people will keep subscribed to. And that will hopefully keep them there. And Kevin Mayer very smartly said in November, it's also why we're bundling Hulu really cheaply with because we know you'll probably get bored. Have you tried Hulu? Yeah. Like that's a smart move on their part. So when you hear Bob Iger say, I'm going to focus on creative. Yeah. And then there's a sort of problem of the big franchises have reached narrative conclusion yeah. we need new stuff we don't kind of know where what app all of our content is going to live in does that seem like he's just going to start meddling with his studio heads i think he makes the right calls i heard a story that so kevin mayer was uh the guy alongside Iger who was responsible he used to lead acquisitions so he was responsible for all the major acquisitions alongside Iger. from what i heard from a source kevin was the guy who kind of pitched twitter to Disney, he was like, I don't think this is a good thing. They should buy Twitter. We should buy Twitter. And Bob was the one who was like, nah, I don't know about that. I think we should, like, wait. Yeah. I think they did. It was a good decision. <laughs> yeah. They were also at one point going to buy Vice. Right. Also seems like a good non-call. Right. So it's, there's a lot of these things that happen that Bob, I think, has a lot of – that's why people credit him as being visionary and for what he does. I think that's where he'll come in. He won't go to Kevin Feige and be like, have we considered doing uh, this movie based on this random character? But he'll say, okay, I think we can roll it out this way. I think if we make this a Disney Plus thing and we make that a theatrical thing and then we put this on uh, Freeform, which is like their family channel, 
we can really work out a way that makes sense for all of our consumers and keeps it going and keeps the interest high. That's what he's always been really good at. And now he's just going to focus on that. So he's going to focus on over, I think, intertwining all of the different parts of Disney's content that makes sense. You know, the big question now is whoever replaces Bob C as heads of parks, I don't think they've announced anyone yet. Uh, they'll have to, like, work with them on that to, like, figure out how to intertwine the parks into that way as well. But Iger is mostly focused on the next few years of content. And that is going to be intertwining Disney Plus theatrical and network. I like that Freeform didn't get a tile on the Disney Plus app. I know. Poor Freeform. <laughs> yeah, they just didn't make it. Yeah. All right. The streaming wars continue to be, first of all, dominated by Bobs and Kevins. <laughs> the Bob and Kevin shuffle so continues bobs. every day. You wrote a piece. You wrote a little profile of Bob C. Everyone should go read that. What's the next big turn, do you think? The next big thing is what happens with Kevin. And so that is what happens with his division, which is streaming and international. Everyone I talk to who works in those divisions I keep asking if they've heard from Kevin, not so that they would, but they're like, nope, have no emails saying like, hey, this is our new CEO. Well, he hasn't said anything yet? Nope. Nothing like, hey, here's our new CEO. You know, like we got a, you work at a company, something happens, your manager sends out a thing going, hey, this is our new thing. You know, here's what's happening. I definitely knew about this before it was happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 100% the lie you were always telling if you were at a company. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so no one's heard from him. So, I mean, people are not worried, but they're kind of like, what does this mean for us? And I think the big question is, if Kevin stays for the next year, what does that relationship with him and Bob C. look like? Because they've rarely worked together, really. And now they're going to have to suddenly work. And by the way, streaming, which Bob Iger calls the future of Disney, is the one area Bob C. has no like relationship with. So that's a fun move where Bob Iger for the two and a half years has gone, Streaming is where the future of Disney is. We're going to we're going to take some theatrical stuff and make it a Disney Plus show. We're doing it this way, Disney Plus movie. And all of a sudden, their new CEO has, does absolutely no idea what's going on with streaming to an extent. Like, he's just not been involved with it. Uh, so that's like a fun thing they're going to have to overcome. That's the big thing that Wall Street's going. Like, how are you managing that? The word I keep using is that Bob Iger will be a buffer. He will be the guy that, like talks to the Kevins and is like, no, 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 talks you come to, to me, Kevins. I'll figure it out, don't worry. Like, basically dad role, right? He's going to be like, don't worry, like, I'll, I'll deal with it. <laughs> like, we'll figure it out. And I think that's what he's going to do for the next 22 months or whatever. If Kevin leaves, it's a whole new game. It's like, well, they have to figure that out pretty quickly because Kevin has been instrumental in everything that happens with streaming. All right, keep your eye on Kevin Meyer. Yeah, it's been my thing. Big Kevin movement coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Julia, thank you so much. We're just going to, the streaming wars view from the field is just going to become a recurring thing here, I feel. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. 
www.thrivingmoms.com. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Paul Miller. Yo. Every week, my mm-hmm. man. You hold our fractured nation together. That's right. With a segment that is consistently called a plurality of puffs. Okay. Mm, I know what this is. This is wording from Jules' patent application <laughs> for an, uh, some sort of AI smoking or vaping cessation thing. <laughs> I don't really know what's going on here, but it kind of sounds like let me let me just read straight from the from the patent because it's just really good. The method includes determining a delivery pattern for providing a first puff (laughs) containing an amount of a first vaporizable material and a second puff containing an amount of a second vaporizable material. So I think the idea is that they're kind of – they're doing a switcheroo on you to trick you into stop smoke. Um, stop vaping. The first vaporizable material includes a first substance, and the second vaporizable material does not include the first substance. I think that substance is nicotine. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> nicotine. <laughs> the method further includes providing a plurality of puffs from a vaporizer. Okay. <laughs> the plurality of puffs based on the delivery pattern and including the first puff and the second puff. The method further includes receiving user feedback associated with the delivery pattern in response to the providing. Is it just like, screw it, that puff didn't have any nicotine in it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the thing is, like, if somehow they can detect that you still really I mean, want this more is, puffs. This is not a cessation plot. This is a get you hooked on more jewel plot because literally the cliche is uh, the pigeon in the room with the uh, button that gives it food. And it hits the button, the food comes, and if it's consistent, it, like, hits the button, eats till it's full, and then it stops. Mm. But if the food comes randomly, it, like hits the button until it needs until it explodes because uh, that's how random feedback works on your brain if you're a pigeon or a human with a gambling problem for example <laughs> um, so if there's AI that is like r- like giving you like trying to like step down your nicotine but the actual experience of it is just like it's you random. randomly don't know if you're gonna get nicotine in your puff or not what are you gonna do Vape you're gonna harder. be the pigeon you're just gonna puff away this is yeah. great so it's this an AI evil. it's this an AI is... jewel <laughs> yeah it's a patent it's for a patent a... okay uh Jewel, they've been promising a, a smart vape mm-hmm. that helps you kick nicotine for like a long time. Mm-hmm. One of the problems that they have is that Apple just uh, kicked all vaping apps off the App Store by, and, by default. Yeah, and Apple also doesn't allow Safari uh, access to Bluetooth devices. Obviously, yeah. So you're saying we're going to live in a world where Android users can are, quit are nicotine. nicotine free? <laughs> yeah, I'm saying in a world where the local processing power of the Jewel has to skyrocket to pull off your. <laughs> A plurality of puffs. <laughs> like, is Jewel going to make an ARM processor is like the next turn of the screw. Uh, just to be clear, we live in a world where there already exists like Android phones that have vaporizers built into them. So. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll just see how that goes.
2020 AI vapes. End, end patents. That's my argument. But then you would never know. That's right. And I don't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Jewel you, can keep this sort of literature to themselves. <laughs> All right, fine. All right, we've gone long, but there's a grab bag of stuff. Lightning round. Uh, MWC was canceled due to coronavirus. The coronavirus, by the way, is uh, literally sweeping the world. Um, we're going to have an interview episode uh, with our health reporter, Nicole Wetzman, uh, and Liz Lopato, our deputy editor, who's kind of studying the business impacts of the coronavirus. We're going to get those two together and do a whole interview episode about that. Don't want to minimize it. But MWC is happening virtually mm-hmm. because it's not happening in Barcelona. Uh, a bunch of new announcements. I'm just going to yell phone names at you, dude. Yeah. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. LG V60 Think Q5G. Seems fine on paper. We'll see if they can get the camera right. Also, it has the little screen case thing, which, man, LG just can't get anyone to pay attention. <laughs> by, by screen case, you mean a second, uh, like 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 the which, what's it's the like an extended out, display? It's a fold out display. The Duo. Yeah, it's yeah. like the Duo, but it's just an extra screen for your phone. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly like the Duo, only they're not Microsoft, and so everyone will forget that it's there. <laughs> So it's a case for the phone that contains another full-size screen. Mm. All right. Where did all the other phones in this go? This just says Sony did a phone with a headphone jack. That's because I Sony that link. Sony <laughs> uh, made the um, Xperia 1 2, which Xperia 1 is the tall boy. They also have like an Xperia 1 Mini, which is a smaller tall boy. Uh, so they, they updated it. There's another version coming. They're trying again to uh, get it right with the camera. Uh, because Sony makes the sensors with their cameras on their own phones are always bad. We'll see what they do this time. I think there's some special stuff going on there. But they added back a headphone jack. There see, wasn't one in the last one. They know. Yeah, they know how to get me back. Yeah. Huawei announces Mate XS foldable with a more durable display. And if the Mate XS is one where the screen folds around the outside. Yes. Which, so, given everything we know, seems bad. Yeah. Well, they have. They, there's now like I don't know four or eight layers of different kinds of plastic now on the outside <laughs> to make it more durable. <laughs> That's right. The yeah. dimmest display in the industry. It's like, imagine if you put a screen protector on your phone, and then you forgot, and then you put another one on your phone, <laughs> <laughs> and then it bent. Uh, there's a Redmi phone. Yeah, the, the Redmi phone is um, it's an 865, and uh, therefore it'll be 5G. Uh, and it's just like a bunch of phones that were like, oh, my God, they're, just, they're coming out. They've got like the same like, baseline specs that the S20 has. Uh, but we'll see. It'll be fine. Galaxy Buds Plus. Chris Welch reviewed. reviewed them. They're good. Yeah. Yeah. Good battery life. Uh, phone quality actually is good. Yeah. The only thing they're missing is active noise cancellation, which, eh. are there? There's not a, there's been a lot of announced wireless buds with active noise cancellation, but the AirPods Pro seem to be it. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, um, there's already, uh, I mean, there's the Echo Buds from Amazon. Uh, and then there's the Sony's, which are well regarded, but come in a gigantic case. Yeah. The funny, th- the one thing these buds don't do is they uh, they will let you you know pair with multiple devices, but they won't switch seamlessly between them, unless you have a bunch of Samsung phones, in which case it's totally a can. Of course, proprietary Bluetooth. Can I say best. something about active noise cancellation? Ear earbuds. I am living with my sister in New York. She got the AirPods Pro because her regular AirPods died, and. I have no idea how to get her like it's it's a it's a dice roll whether I need to yell at her to get her attention or you know wave at her you know do something respectful to 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 make her aware that I'm talking to her because these are apparently effective yeah. at noise cancellation. It's great. Very good. And they're really subtle. So you don't know necessarily that she, anyways. 
Yes, Dieter was sitting next to me in the office all day yesterday, and I kept on just yelling at him. <laughs> it was not respectful. <laughs> it was like, Dieter! I feel like this is this could lead to a, a, a breakdown of the, our society. The best part was I wasn't listening to music. They, they weren't even on. I heard him the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, do you want to run us for this Xbox Series X stuff? I, I am so stoked about it. So Microsoft kind of like cons- confirmed some details about um, the Series X, which is really great in this this case where the PlayStation 5, like basically until specifically proven otherwise, you can assume that every feature hardware-wise that you get on the Xbox, you're going to get on the PlayStation. Like, and so, you know, I'm sure they will find ways to differentiate. I think Microsoft wants to be the fastest. Sounds like Sony might want to be the cheaper one. Who knows? But like right now, they're both getting the same general batch of very good AMD stuff. Um, so my Xbox, uh, Microsoft is saying the Xbox Series X will have 12 teraflop GPU, which to put that in context is about where the high end is right now of desktop GPUs. Wow. It's like it's faster than anything that AMD has right now. Wow. So they're really they're really pushing it. Um, and then everything, every other little detail that comes out is just like it sounds like exactly like like my like wish list for what I would want in a console, like the HDMI 2.1, which is include variable refresh, high frame rate stuff. Um, Microsoft is focusing on uh, low latency throughout the whole chain from the from the controller all the way to the screen. Um, HDMI 2.1 has this thing where you can request the game mode from a TV, so the low latency, so mm-hmm. you don't have to dive into the settings to try to find the low latency settings. Um, and then another detail that they just shared, because oh, you know Sony and Microsoft have been talking about these really quick load times or zero load screens because they're going to have fast like NVMe um, SSDs. This next part is amazing. Major Nelson on his podcast is talking about his experience with this. Is like, yeah, the, the load times are really great, and I could like switch between games, and they just start up right away. It's awesome. But then I had to reboot the console, and after it booted, the, the save states are still there, and so I can just resume the game right away, like even after a reboot. Which is, it's just like, I feel like we we really downgraded how much we're waiting on our consoles between the 360 and yeah. the Xbox One era because the the drives didn't get any faster, our internet connections didn't get much faster, and the the files got way bigger. But I don't know. I feel like they're addressing it now. Yeah, I'm very excited. Like the 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 instant resume of like the last game you're playing, uh, PlayStation or Switch. You know, like I I love that. It actually like makes it more likely that I'm going to play the game because I know I don't have to wait for it to start. Mm-hmm. And to have that work for multiple games, huge. Uh, and to have that work across reboots is just it's just like bragging, right? And, well, and then and something that uh, Microsoft is also really into is that, that, that they're calling it smart delivery. So, and and one of the first publishers that like promised to do this, like obviously Microsoft will do this with their own games. You buy the game, and now you own it across any compatible console. So, so you buy, and so Cyberpunk twenty seven seven is is announced that it's going to work like this. So, if you buy Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven for the Xbox One, you now own a copy that will work on your next Xbox. Or, or if you buy when you buy on the next Xbox, but you bring your game over to a friend's to play, it will work on, and they have the only have the Xbox One. They don't have the new the Series X. It'll work on their console. So, like, there's some the, kind of a port 
portability. The scary part about that is that the real game is no longer, yeah. you know, it was already ceasing to be the physical object, but it's definitely not the physical object. What happens anymore. if you take a photo of the game with a pixel at night and it combines multiple photos <laughs> together in a composite? <laughs> <laughs> what is a photo? <laughs> uh, well, that sounds exciting. It sounds like GDC is Microsoft just pulled out mm. because of the Epic, coronavirus. I think, pulled out. Epic pulled out. We don't know if GDC is going to keep going, but it, that's another one of these. It seemed like it was going to be a moment, and now we're going to bleed out some more information over time. GDC is Game Developer Conference. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't know all the like how much they were going to announce. I'm sure they were going to have a bunch of meetings with uh, developers and show them a bunch of stuff. I think that um, if I work at a game company and I want to figure out how to handle uh, the cancellation of a conference and like to try and get some attention for my phones that I otherwise would have definitely gotten attention for at a conference, I would not do what everyone has done in the wake of uh, MWC. Like I, I made fun of people not paying attention to LG a minute ago. If they had been able to launch that thing at MWC, they definitely would have gotten more attention than they're getting now. Yeah. Because yeah. um, it would have had an event. Yeah, it's different for a big company like Microsoft. Mm -hmm. uh, but these these uh, cancellations of these uh, conferences really hurts the mid tier and like bottom tier companies that like that's their chance to like get some attention uh, in a much easier way than they otherwise will now. Yeah. Okay. Last bit. Apple released white papers: the Mac Pro and Pro Display XDR. You should read them. They're very funny. Apple's very proud of itself for making Eli's computers. He's looking at me and he's seeing me smiling at him because all I I just need to like start saying words to troll him <laughs> into a three hour rant, but I'm not going to do it. No, the our review of the Mac Pro and the Pro Display is coming next week. Mm -hmm. It's a very close. It was just a busy week. There was a dramatic fiasco. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> we didn't want to stack them all up. It's coming on Monday. But I, I just two things I want to point out for these white papers. Uh, one. Uh, you, you're not supposed to shine a light at the back of the Pro Display XDR because it, it has light sensors in the back and the front. Yeah. And so if you like point a light at the back of it, it screws up the display. I think that note is in the white paper just for our friends who are YouTubers. <laughs> like no <laughs> hue lights behind your setup anymore, boys. Um, and then for the Mac Pro, and this is just a little tease, Apple is like, hey, as core counts go up in these processors, clock speeds go down. Mm. So make sure your applications are multi-threaded appropriately because they might actually get slower depending on the, if you buy the more expensive processor with more cores, more cores at a slower clock speed. Should have gone Threadripper. Just put it out no there. No compromise. Not saying a word about it. It's just a, a little piece of information I want you to have. Yeah, and you'll see it next week. Our review is happening. The wheels don't have locks, and the thing will roll off the table. I know that's the true <laughs> scandal. That's uh, Marquez Brownlee did that video. Did a great macro video. Go watch that. It's very funny. Okay, that's it. That's the Vergecast. Dieter, you have a you have a thing to plug. Uh, it's a newsletter. It's called Processor. You can find it at theverge.com/newsletters. I write it mostly daily. It's about computers. Yeah. If you've enjoyed this show, have you thought about it with an editor in an email? <laughs> it's, it's very much right there. You can tweet at us. I'm Reckless Paul. Future Paul. Dieter's at Backlon. That's it. Rock and roll. Paul. Promo code.
Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.